Uh, for those that have joined us this week, great to see you. It's fantastic to have you with us. We're in the middle of a series of talks that we've been doing here at Evans Head Prezi, so uh, hopefully you'll pick that up and you won't miss out on a whole lot more of what we've said before because it'll all be contained here too, but uh, we're in a, a series of thinking about what it is to having our lives saturated with Jesus and what it means to look at that saturating our community with him as well. And we've been thinking about this question of who are we? Who are you? What is your identity? What defines you? Last week we uh, thought about that and we saw firstly that uh, we need to remember that we're human beings and not human doings uh, because we often think that it's about what we do that defines who we are but actually it should be the opposite round, isn't it? So who we are should define what we do. It's who we are on the inside that works out in what we do in the world around us. And last week we were thinking about what that looks like for us as children of God. And we thought that through. This week we're going to think about it even more and next week we're going to think about it more again. Well, actually not next week, in a couple of weeks' time. We're going to think about that more again. What defines you? So I thought maybe a good question to ask ourselves, isn't it? What would you have on your tombstone? Uh, If you were to have a statement or a saying or something that characterises who you are, what would that statement be on your tombstone? It's an interesting question, isn't it? What would you want there? What would other people write there? Well, I had a look around and had a look at a couple of them that are out there. Here's one for Francis. I told you I was sick. Well, maybe that's one for you. What about this one? Prepare yourself to follow me. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? And this one. Maybe. Maybe. Died not for not forwarding the text message to ten people. <laughs> I think that one's a made-up one, don't you? I'm not sure that one's actually there. Uh, but maybe it's a Facebook message that you didn't send this on to people because you don't really care. Uh, maybe that. Well, there were some funny ones. What about some more that are a little bit more serious? Mel Blanc, remember him? Uh, that's all, folks. The man of a thousand voices. Uh, he was the guy behind just about every cartoon figure you could possibly imagine. That's what he's got on his. And he was Jewish by the looks of it. Uh, Michael Jackson, I'm not sure if you can read that, but there's a whole lot under his. Uh, songwriter, singer, producer, dancer, choreographer, humanitarian, Jackson 5 member, soloist, goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Uh, he did do a lot, didn't he? But there were a lot of things that he did. Is that who he was? Martin Luther King. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty. I'm free at last. What would yours say? What would your tombstone say? What would you like to have on that? What would be a statement that defines who you are? Uh, Well, we're going to be thinking about that today. We're going to be thinking about a statement that will define who we are if we're someone who follows Jesus. You see, we've been learning that who you are leads to what you do. Who you are leads to what you do. And we're going to be thinking about what that means for us if we are people and if we have put our trust in Jesus, 
If that's who we are, what does that lead us to do? Uh, so we're looking at a great passage this morning. It's Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Uh, it's a, a beautiful uh, writing. There's a, a song in the middle of it or a poem in the middle of it as well. Uh, we're going to think about that uh, this morning together. And we're going to think about who are you? Uh, so if you don't have your Bibles, or it will be on the screen for you to look at as well. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. And I'm going to read that this morning. Philippians 2, verses 1 to 11. This is Paul uh, who's writing to a little church in Philippi and he's wanting to encourage them and he wants to speak into their lives and help them think about what it means to be a person who is following Jesus and saturated by Jesus. Uh, So this is what he says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement for being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, lots of if there's, isn't it? Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Oh, sorry, guys. Now, if you're in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And this is a poem. And we're going to sing it later. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearances of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. It's a great passage. Feel free to go home and read it and contemplate on it even more. But we're just going to dive in a little bit today and have a look at that together and think about what it says to us about who we are, about who you are. Who's seen this show? Undercover Boss. If you've seen that show, it's uh, it's an interesting show. The concept behind the show is that a boss that's sitting up in his big office with his glass walls decides to come down and uh, come apart and work with the people amongst in his business. He goes undercover. He dresses like them. He puts on a little bit of a disguise in one sense, dresses like them and goes in and lives amongst them and spends, I think, a week with them, not particularly long, a week with them and he sees how they operate and how they work and he gets a bit of a taste of what it's like to be one of his workers, one of his employees. Then he goes back up to his glass room, up the top there and never to be seen again, maybe. Uh, but he goes there and then often he brings the people back who've been part of that and he then tells them what he's done and what's going on there. That's an interesting concept, isn't it? Coming down, living amongst, experiencing everything that they're experiencing and then having a bit of an idea what it's like. Uh, Well, if you read in that passage, you'll see that what we actually have with Jesus is not an undercover boss, in a sense, but an undercover king. One who actually comes and comes from the highest of high. He doesn't live in a glass office, but he is in heaven in eternity 
with God the Father, the King of everything, who came and lived amongst us. Uh, Look what it says there in verse 6. It's talking about Jesus who being in very nature God. He was God. In the beginning, Jesus was there. When God created everything, the Bible says that God spoke and we believe that when he spoke, that was Jesus in action creating the world. Because when we find out in the New Testament, it says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Jesus was with God from the very beginning. He was there with him in creation. He sat with him. He was in control with God. He was king of the universe with God. He was God did not consider equality with God, something that he had to hold on to, something he had to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. He is the ultimate boss, the ultimate king who comes and lives amongst us, who came into this broken world that we live in and experienced everything that we experienced, but yet was different as well. Because in it, he never once disobeyed God. Never once. Didn't lie. Didn't cheat. Didn't gossip. Didn't murder. Didn't kill. Did everything that God wanted him to do because he was God with flesh on is what that passage is saying. Jesus came and dwelt among us. He came from the infinite into the finite. He came from the uncorruptible into the corruptible. He came from the form of God in all eternity into the form of you and I and lived amongst us to experience this broken, messy world with us. And he experienced the pain of that and the frustration of that. And he felt the sadness of that. The smallest verse in the whole Bible says that Jesus wept. He felt the brokenness that we feel. He felt the sense of sadness that we feel. He felt the sense that this world wasn't all that it should be or could be. He felt the brokenness of He took on the very nature of you and I. There's a song, isn't there? What if God was one of us? What if God was sitting on the train and amongst us or on the bus like us? Well, if you had lived 2,000 years ago, you would have been able to stand, sit, touch, listen, hear God amongst us. you would have been able to take a photo of him if there were photos back then. You would have been able to experience him firsthand. Jesus, the king of everything, who had everything, who didn't need to come and be amongst us, who didn't have to experience what it's like to live in brokenness, did. And not just so that he could experience with, with us, not just so he'd go back and hand out a few little lollies and extra bits of pay to people when they go back up and visit him in, the, in that glass room, not just so that he could go back and do that, but so that he could save us, so that he could have a relationship with you and I forever. You see, at the end of that verse, he said, he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. <laughs> 
You see, Jesus was the ultimate servant. He didn't just go undercover and go back. He came and lived amongst us and died. On a cross, on a place that is shame, on a place where only the worst of the worst were placed. He became obedient and went to the cross for you and I so that we might live, so that we don't just know that there's a God who was like us, but we know a God who saved us. So we don't just have a God who came and lived amongst us, but we have a God who wants us to be in relationship with him for eternity so that we can live with him and for him forever. I'm going to play a little clip to you because I think this clip, in a different way, shows us what we've just read. You. Look at your eyes. Look at them. Speckled. Colorful. Each one unique. And I created every one of them. personality. I made you pure, complex, and every day I give you life. I love you, but something happened. You cheated on me. You didn't trust me.
Jesus, I love you. Then, Follow me. Will you follow me? It's a great question, isn't it? I don't know where you're at and what you're thinking, but if you want to know who you are, then this is where you can find it in Jesus. Because he created you to be in relationship with him for now and for eternity. And if you really truly want to know who you are, then you find yourself in him, in Jesus. Because he brings us life now and life eternally and he wants us to follow him. And when we put our trust in him, then our identity is found in him and we go and do what he wants us to do is to follow him. Can I encourage you, if you haven't done that before, if you've thought about it for the first time today, don't leave here without talking to someone. Don't go without having a chat to someone. If you think about it later, contemplate it, think about it, then talk to someone, ask someone more about what that means and what that can mean for you. Because when you come to know who Jesus is, then you know who you are and know what you are to do. You are to follow him. And in following him, we find out that Jesus shows us what it is to follow him because he lived it himself, didn't he? In that passage that we saw, that we just read, we saw that in following Jesus, it means that we are to be a servant like him. The servant king, that's the song that we sang earlier, wasn't it? The king who came and lived amongst us, who came to serve us, wants us to serve others. Jesus said that he did not come to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's what it is for us to live for him. That's where our identity can be found in us serving others as well. That we are to become who we are, we become people who serve others, like Jesus served. We become people who look out for others and we start serving others because we know who we are in Jesus. We don't need to go out and get people's approval or people's attention or people's money or people to use people or abuse people or bully people or any of that. We can go out and serve people because we know that we're loved and cared for and secure in Jesus. So we're able to go out and do that because that's what he could do because he knew where he was and who he was. And in Jesus we can do the same. We can go and serve one another to be servants like him Uh, there's a great definition I think of what a servant looks like in the passage that we read just a little bit before that poem that we've looked at Uh, it says look there 
Uh, verse chapter 2, verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking for your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. It's a great definition, isn't it? Because that's what Jesus did. He didn't grasp hold of what he had in eternity. He became and lived amongst us and served us. He looked out for our best interest and our best interest is to know God and be in relationship with him forever and he made that possible by going to the cross for us. He says that we had to live that way for us to look out around us and see other people around us and seek to see how we can serve them, enable them and help them. That's a real countercultural thing in the world that we live in. Uh, who's seen Zoolander? Anyone know that movie? Uh, it was a bit of a cult movie a couple of years ago, the Zoolander 2 that's come out now. It was back in the 90s and Zoolander was all about these fashion models that were just absolutely, completely obsessed with themselves. They had no concept of anything other than them. That was what they were on about. And they used to pout and look as though they were all on about. And it was a real parody on life in general and what people are like. Well, Zoolander 2's come out and it's even a bigger parody on it because what they were doing in Zoolander 1 back in the 90s has come to even more fruition now. The pouting, the looking, everyone look at me society. And uh, Ben Stiller there has got the biggest selfie pole in history. And when he's got this pole, it goes up, I think it's metres up in the air and that's what you can see, this photo in the back corner here is what he sees from his selfie pole. Who in their right mind would have possibly thought 10 years ago that we'd have a selfie pole? And it'll be everywhere because we're obsessed with ourselves, aren't we? We're obsessed with our own photos, our own looks, our own says Snapchat, it's all about us. Instagram, it's all about us. What I look like at the beach now. What I look like at the beach in two seconds later. What I look like at the beach 10 seconds later. It's just covered in, isn't it? Everyone's just all about on themselves. It's about us, 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 us. And Zoolander, whether you like the movie or not, is almost seeing the future to what it was like for us now. And it's a sad future. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not telling you 50 years we weren't over self-involved. We were. We were just self-imposed we were back then. We were all on about ourselves 50 years ago too. We just didn't have the opportunity to show everyone. Thousands of years ago, people were on about themselves. Don't think it's just a new phenomena. It's just here and now, we have the ability to make it every moment of the day. Every second of the day, we can be on about ourselves. And Jesus is countercultural to that, isn't it? Because a self-obsessed society is a society that is a sad society. It's a broken society. No one likes it when other people are obsessed with themselves, do they? We like being obsessed with our own selves, but when you see someone else being obsessed with themselves, oh, look at that, that's terrible. But yet we're happy to be obsessed with our own self. It's a warped world that we live in, isn't it? And Jesus is countercultural to us. He says, no, we are to be servants to each other. We are to look out for the interests of others. We had to seek what is best for others. Now, Jesus doesn't say neglect yourself. He says, one of these says, the most important commandment is to love yourself as you love your neighbour. There's not self-deprecation here. It's not self-flagellation, not self, not killing yourself in that sense of destroying yourself here. It's loving yourself as you love others. 
It's seeking what's best for others because you know that you're loved and you're secure in Jesus that you can do that. And so Jesus says to go out and serve others, serve one another, he says to us. That is to be what we do because of who we are. Because we are in Jesus, the servant king, we are to be people who go out and serve others. Who we are leads to what we do. We are in Jesus and we are to serve others because of that. So how do we do that? Well, if you're one of our gospel communities, you'll start to think about that heaps this week. As you read Saturate, you'll be thinking about what does that look like for us? And there's a great question that Jeff has in that book. Uh, Let me go past that one. That's a really good quote. Uh, Jeff says this. He says, Where in our community are people not getting experience of the kingdom of Jesus? It's a good question. Where in our community do we see the brokenness and no one reaching into that with the love of Jesus. Where do we see that? What he's saying for us is just to open our eyes and look. When was the last time you went home and you had a moment and you thought about how you could serve someone? It's a good question. As I was thinking about it myself as I was putting this together this week, I was thinking, When was the last time I deliberately went home and didn't just think about I need a drink and I need to get in front of the TV and watch that next program that I want to watch or get onto Netflix and watch the next episode of Suits? When was it that I actually sat down and deliberately looked and thought about who I could serve? Simple, isn't it, in one sense? How do I do this? Well, get your eyes off yourself is probably the first one, isn't it? Have a look out there. Look around you. Look at the people behind you. See, the, Look at your next door neighbour. Have you noticed that your next door neighbour's lawns haven't been mowed for the last couple of months? Oh, don't just look and say, man, they're pathetic, aren't they? Fair dinkum, our neighbourhood looks terrible because they're not mowing their lawns. Oh, I'll get my lawnmower out and I'll go over and mow the lawn. When was the last time you looked around and had a look and saw around the corner and you saw in the community, you thought, oh, there's a real need in the community there. And then went and did it. You see, this servant attitude that we have is not just individually. Yes, we had to look at it individually, but also corporately. How together can we go and serve this community? In your gospel community this week, you're going to be asked, how do you together, as your group together, look out there, see something and go and do that together? Don't just go and notice it and tick it off. Yeah, I've noticed that. Yep, that needs to be done. Look and go and do. It's not that hard, guys, is it? The hard thing is to get our eyes off ourselves and our own needs and our own desires and what's going on in our own house and our own comfort and start thinking, well, maybe I can go and help that person. A great thing that's been happening in our congregation I've seen lately is that great Take a Friend a Meal website. It's fantastic, isn't it? Uh, Just the other day, Lynn put one up for Kevin. Kevin who's busted his shoulder and his pelvis. Strike. And there's a Take a Friend. Don't just look at that when you go home on your email and say, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Well done, Lynn, for doing that. Flip across. All right, what's Facebook telling me what I need to do today? 
Go and look at it and say, okay, Wednesday, no one down for that. I'll take over a sandwich to Kevin. He's not looking for the most five-star meal that you can get. Just take him something simple. Buy him a chook. Put a throw of salad together. Take it to him. He cannot get down the stairs and get to the shops, guys. He's going to love it if you just bring a chook over. And on that take a friend one, you can see that you don't bring a chook every day because you can nominate and you can say what you're bringing. All right? It's a great concept, isn't it? Just look out there, put things into practice and go and do it. Because that's what it means to serve. Let me go back to that quote of John Piper's. Oh, come back. One more. Uh, This is a guy by John Piper. Some of you know him. And I thought it was a fantastic quote. Find your joy in making others joyful. Find your joy in making others joyful. That's a servant attitude, isn't it? That is what we ought to be on about. If we are people who know who we are in Jesus, then we do what he desires us to do and what he did is to become a servant. Who are you? What defines you? What would you have on your tombstone? What statement would you put there? Let me encourage you over the last two weeks. Here's two that you could have. Loved child of God. Servant of the King and a servant of all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it blows us away when we think that you loved us so much that Jesus entered into our world, into our pain, into our brokenness. He went to the cross for us to deal with our brokenness, to deal with our pain, to deal with our sin. So, Lord, we could be in relationship with you forever. Lord, we want to thank you for that. We want to praise you for that. And, Lord, out of that, we pray that we may be people who find our identity in you. And when we find our identity in you, Lord, that will lead us to be people who seek to serve you. Seek to reach out to those around us with your love. Seek to reach out with those around us and bring you into that and amongst that. To saturate our community with Jesus, Lord, by serving you, by serving others. We pray, Lord, that you'll enable us to do that, that you'll take our eyes off ourselves, that, Lord, you'll deal with our self-absorption and by your spirit, Lord, you'll turn our eyes to you, which will in turn turn our eyes to those that you've placed around us whom we can love and serve, Lord. We pray that you'll do that and do that in a mighty way within us, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And the rain has come. We're going to sing a great song to finish off with called The Highest Place.